Welcome back, friends. And before we get started, I have some coaching announcements. Now, we are going to be launching a 10-week podcast contest. That means that we're going to be giving out prizes every Friday for those who are putting in reviews and five stars and sharing. Now, make sure that you screenshot and you share with me on social media. Next thing, if you're local to Ottawa Hall, I have bike mechanical bike maintenance clinics that you're going to want to check out, learn how to patch a tire, change a flat, and then I have learned to group ride clinics. So if you're new to cycling and you're worried about how, how to bike with others and bike safely, this is a clinic for you. And then I have my online cycling skills program. The first one is a four-hour cycling skills intensive. The next one is four weeks where you work one-on-one -on -one with me. The third one is a four-video module download that you can work at your own pace. You can get all the details on my website, sylviedow.ca. Now, the last part is the fitness component. It's hard to be a well-rounded cyclist without weight training and strength training. So I have launched a cycle fitness on-demand membership, and this is for anyone, but specifically, I'm targeting those cyclists who want to be well-rounded and strong and improve their cycling and also into a, a life of longevity. Go to cyclefitness.online and take advantage of the free seven-day trial. Try it out. Check out the workouts. See what you think. Enjoy. And thanks for listening. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. I was going to take myself. Yes. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Secrets in the Saddle with your host, Sylvie Daru. And I have, have the utmost pleasure to bring you a friend of mine, Paul Swift. And I'm going to give you a little background onto this about this guy. I met him, I want to say, in probably 98, 2000? 10, 10 years ago. Maybe it's 12 now, though. You're right. No, I think it was earlier because I had, okay. I think it was before I had my daughter. She no, came in 2010. Your daughter was little. Oh, yeah. And then I brought one with me. But when oh, I did, more. yeah, so I met Paul, I signed up for his bike fit certification and I traveled down to New York state to a small little area called Glens Bay. I think there's like two houses there and the one of the ones I was staying in at <laughs> his friend, Mike Frazee, which we yes. should definitely have on this podcast because oh. he is an ex exceptional individual and great guest um, great guest yeah um an international global cycling coach like anyways so we were at his place and that's where we did the bike fit for a full weekend or three days 
Um, and then I actually brought people back there because he, um, he has, you could do bike uh, tour, not bike tours, but bike training weeks and, and he has, uh, his, his place is amazing. And, and his hospitality is like, like you'll never get good, as good hospitality from Mike. Yes. But so Paul, I got certified as a bike fit specialist. And I have to say, I never really used it because, but like as a business, I know, but I do, uh, he, I got great information because I am a cycling coach and it gave me the ability to really eyeball, you know, like, and help out uh, people just change up their positioning Mm -hmm. on the fly which I uh, certainly appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, So it gave me that ability to really be able to use that from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always remember that program and I still have everything. So if I ever want to pick it up, I could tomorrow. And I see a lot of bike fitters actually using a lot of your signature tools like we got we got around we got around yeah the wedges whether they use their bike fit or not they they use your material which is amazing so but what i really want to dive in is to like you can see those jerseys behind (laughs) paul okay you have to get on to the the youtube video or interview of this just to see the big walls over there but anyway (laughs) oh do you want to pan over there is that where well, all your trophies are? I don't know if are? I should do that. No, but there's a there's one. Oh select, my gosh! Okay, so, about three or four of those around yeah. somewhere. I don't know where. My mother will go. Well, my mother's passed, but my mother will go. Oh well, what about the ones at home? What about? Oh jeez, <laughs> <laughs> you have to be like Mike and start like tossing them out for like ten bucks. <laughs> there's a few of them around the world. Who knows where they are? Yes. Yeah. So. Paul is an amazing guy, and I'm just gonna ask him to. <laughs> really because he has a a very extensive background in uh cycling in the cycling world um you know just to, like right now like at the moment he's a father he's a survivor and then he's just a dude <laughs> i love it this is by and he's an eight-time national champion track cyclist so he's going to talk about back in the day he's and then we're going to get yeah well i mean but the thing is that history doesn't stand still and you know like he's got a lot of accolades in in the cycling world not to mention and of course before we get to paul i'm just going to chat a little bit more he so he founded bike fit and he designer of many many products with patents such as the cannondale track bike is that would you say that's a patent? That's or? one I designed. I didn't one patent I that, but I designed that for them. Yeah. Other and things then, I patented. Um, and then the Revmaster and other related products um, taught bike fitting worldwide. He has written and published several books. Oh, do you have a lot of those around? And, I've even uh, written yeah. a children's book. That's the one I'm most proud of, actually. No, anyway. really? Okay. Yeah, so we're gonna that's have to my talk favorite. That that's my favorite. Anyway. Anyway, so he, I, I will put all of the details in the description, but let's get back to when you got into cycling. Cause I always love the story 
of how people got into cycling. And then we're going to go into your company, Bike Fit, and what's going on there. Well, it's awesome to be here. And if I may take a moment, you are a student that was very memorable. And I remember Aww. you. And I remember your outreach and your things, particularly with women cyclists. And that is needed. I remember your enthusiasm, how fit and in shape you were and all those other things. And um, it's okay that you didn't become a bike fitter. I'm flattered to hear though that you like use some of the skills to eyeball and pinpoint mm -hmm. because that really is bike fitting. Uh, and, it, and it infiltrates in a lot of ways and things that people don't realize from product development to, to that eyeball of a coach. I think coaching is a great place for you to, to implement that. Like, you know, maybe we could tweak this a little bit. And, mm -hmm. and so I'm flattered to hear that. And uh, it's great to be here. But you were, I, I will never forget you. I absolutely remember you as a student and your enthusiasm. I'm like, God, but you could be an awesome bike fitter. Um, but <laughs> I, I was probably the just, only woman there too. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, we've had a few, but you know, um, you, you, you were building your repertoire and you, mm -hmm. you added it to your, you know, your, who you are. And it makes sense from what I know and, and, and remember and know of you doing today that, you know, fitting transcends a lot more than people think. Some people have this mm -hmm. picture of it, but the reality is, is bike fitting is little things like, um, I was working at a camp one time with kids and there was this kid with cerebral palsy and his, he had one foot turned way out and he didn't like to ride a bicycle. And I was, I was pretty bummed. And I was like, well, I kind of had an idea why. And I'm like, you know, cause his foot hits the, the, the pad, the frame, you know, I was like, dude, we could put a little spacer in there. And we put a spacer in there and the kid drives and he doesn't hit his thing and he's lit up and it's a kid. Well, that was bike fitting. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about cycling. So it's not always, I think a lot of people have this facade of, of bike fitting as being people of a certain level of price point bike and people at a certain type mm -hmm. of cycling. And that to me is just a bunch of BS. I think cycling transcends life and it's all levels. And so the fact that I got to do that, like, like that's one of my most memorable stories. It's just helping a kid. And so uh, as much as I've been around, that's what it's given me. And mm -hmm. so uh, I, I want people to, you know, don't get pigeonholed into what bike fitting is. And, and I had a guy, I remember one of, one of the so-called peers in my, you're a bottom feeder, Paul. I'm like, really? Because I'm not worried about the top 10 bike fitters in the world. I only have eight of them as customers. I think I'm worried about those two. What I want is 500, 1,000, 1,500 doing really, really good bike fits. Yeah. I'm not worried about the 10 greats. I want to make, the, and then I'm going to find 10, 20, 40, 50, 100 greats. And, and so anyway, I just approach it a little differently because I'm a dude. <laughs> yes, you're a dude. But I mean, that's smart, right? I mean, you just, you want people across, and that's where like you have a, a handful of people in Canada Oh yeah, I've, Canada's you. been awesome, and and yeah. one of the best bike fitters, a couple of the best bike fitters in the world, particularly Dave Howells out of BC Bike Fit in Canada, oh, okay. is cool. uh, maybe the number one bike fitter in the world now when it comes to like mountain and gravel. I mean, wow. first of all, he's an awesome bike fitter to begin with, but he's by far surpassed me in the mountain gravel area, and that is just hard for me being younger, but me being older, seeing a student, the student does the goal is really the student does become better than the master and but that means I, you did your job well so I, I i've had to turn that a little bit you know i used to be my younger competitive self like f that i want to kill and crush everybody <laughs> to like no i i my passion of cycling wouldn't reach the world then i want everyone to ride a bike mm -hmm. like you working with the women and dave house and all the people he works with and so i i'm blown away 
of the reach worldwide. I mean, I got people all around the world, like in most many countries I can go here, go see so-and-so or this teacher in that country. It's, I was living on a couch in a garage with no hot water and no heater doing bike fits on the sidewalk. Whoa. And people got off the bike with a smile and gave me a hug. And I'm like, I'm onto something. I'm yeah. onto something. Cause it had nothing to do with the surroundings, it had nothing to do with the place. It had simply to do with what I shared. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's freaking cool. How lucky I am. Yeah. I love most when, um, cause I do <coughs> bike, learn to group ride clinics every spring mm -hmm. and you get every kind of bike coming out there. And when I have those ladies just riding around me, like it, and that's where I'm like, I just eyeball them. I like, first I check the seat post. Yeah. <laughs> I usually that's where I stop right there. I'm like, okay, I need to talk to you and you and you, and we're going to help you. Well, as long as I'm not a nightmare, right now. <laughs> as long as I'm not a nightmare in the back of your mind, but a good, oh my thought, gosh, no. I, I will, uh, I will take it. I, I think but, that's awesome. I think and that's awesome. you know, it's funny. I, I would just, uh, I have, um, so I do bike fits, um, or just bike analysis with coaches. eye, you know, okay. just from little videos. And it's funny cause I have your, your measuring, um, what do you call that? The plastic thing with the round? Well, that one's the goniometer. Then there's the, the goniometer. So I have that at my desk and yeah, I measure the legs <laughs> you, right on I my, usually have everything in, on my yeah. uh, laptop. Um, and I'm just like, okay, so you're slightly too high or too low and you're like, <laughs> so I just draw it out. It's funny because I still use that. Well, apparently we need to talk because what I no. do is I carry everything with me now. And it's I just tap this little bone. I just tap this little button right here and what I hit that? this and I go like this and I hit the goniometer tool. It's hard to see. You can't see it. Okay. But the goniometer tool and I can like wave your hand right now if you just wave your hand so if i go like this there we go and i can measure Fell at the your... front door so i have I can... my arm so at a 90 there's... degree or a 45 it's kind of hard degree. to see there's an angle yes in here. no i see that and i can project it and i can oh. be see the angle and so bike fitting has we got to update you bike fitting has <laughs> <guess> so. um, <laughs> well so not to segue but I loved that tool. It was, it was an awesome tool. And I think it's yeah. a great tool. And it's still valid. However, then somebody came out with this $15,000 system that like, you, couldn't you can't, well, you know, like there's a competitor that, uh, well, it's, it's not even a competitor. That's the thing is it's not even the same ballpark. So you couldn't carry it with you. You can only do it in the lab. You got to turn your back on the people. It only does certain things. I carry this with me. And so for example, I went to a little class uh, it was just pre-COVID, of course, uh, how time's flying here. But uh, the guy next to me, his girlfriend just bought him a bike. And so I whipped this out while I'm on the bike and I turn it over and I'm like, <gasps> and I went and looked at his seat height and I go, and I showed it to him. I go like, you need a bike fit. And I showed the owner who I therefore, who I then trained. And I'm like, I just hooked him up with a client by pulling this out of uh, my phone. Wicked. So all my bike fits now are done here. This is the world. This is the future. Everything's stored in here. I Everything like it, but I don't did. like it. I, but I, I like it. I'm with you, but we're not 25 or 30 or 35. You're close. <laughs> but, um, and it's the way of the future. 
And so like, I've been on bike rides now and I've just happened to hold this here and I've stopped at the stoplight. And I'm not recommending that, but you know, I can ride better than I can walk. Uh, and I've shown people, I've been to bike races and show people, everybody warm up on their bicycle. I'm not trying to pitch this because I sold all this, but like bike fitting is here, there and everywhere, especially with this. Uh -huh. Now I like when I'm actually working in a one-on-one uh, -on -one setting using like a bigger iPad because, yeah. but I can project this up onto a TV and it looks like it's $10,000. Cool. So and what we're talking about, guys, is like an bucks. app on your. Oh, really? So it's an app on your your. You can get on any phone that can measure the angles. And if yeah. you know what the angles, the proper angles are for a yeah. bike, then so you can you can use some those. angles there. You know, can kind of, oh. either we're getting a little feedback, but you can do shoulder angle, this angle, and then of course, yeah, yeah. Remember the laser lines. There's a laser mm. line self leveling in there, and you can put your finger and point. And, uh, draw a you line got on laser it. lines in there too okay and it's all, all right you have to check out bike fit anyway. but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but maybe we have a new company we want you to check it out but paul let's take you let's take you back yeah. to when you got into cycling like oh. way back <laughs> so when i first got into cycling I know I got all, I've got all those pictures I'm going to share with you guys. Look this at that. This is behind my house where I grew up in Kenosha, yes. Wisconsin. And when Schwinn was big in the day, and that's a Schwinn jersey, and that's a Schwinn mm -hmm. Paramount. Uh, and that's all kind of Wisconsin and Chicago, Illinois related area. Um, yeah, I started in Kenosha, Wisconsin because we have a bicycle tracker, a velodrome. Yeah. You know, um, and they had this program where you bring your own bicycle called the Stock Bike Program. And I didn't really have much of a bike. I borrowed a bike. I was already doing like baseball, summer marching band, this and that. My parents were like, that's enough. So I borrowed my friend's bicycle, had his mother, signed a permission slip, and went down to the bike races. <laughs> Started doing all this. Now my name's in a newspaper and stuff like that. And when I was really young in my hometown, we went and watched bike races because we have this natural landscape in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where I'm from. You had to get there early, put your blanket down. It was a family affair. It was really cool. Several, you know, four or five thousand people i mean it was just amazing really when i was Bike younger races? yes when i was younger it was really big uh oh, in my cool. hometown because it's the oldest operating velodrome in the country it's got a long history is this outside this is outside in kenosha it's an outside velodrome. Okay. yeah in the okay. summers and finally uh maybe what am i like 14 or 15 and i probably the last time i went and watched the bike races with my family I was maybe eight so not you know seven years later and now the crowds were down to like 1,500, but still decent. And my mother one day to my father says, hey, let's go watch the bike race. He's like, oh, well, we haven't done that in a while. And, and my oh. name's announced. And, and he's like, was there two Paul Swifts in town? She goes, no, that's your son. He's like, well, how long has he been doing that? Uh, she didn't know, <laughs> but she knew a while. <laughs> and she had been reading my name in the newspaper. And they hadn't read that section because why would my name be in the why would they read the bicycle section, right? I mean, I'm doing baseball. I was, in, I was traveling. I was a good baseball player. I was this, I was that. And I was already, life was full, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, so we went on a vacation. I was into motorcycles too. And my father was ready to get me a motorcycle. And, uh, and so everything, two wheels, right? So we go on vacation. And I didn't want to go, which was weird. Like, so up north, we say, and we've got, you know, like where you got to go. We, we go Canada? hunting almost, almost northern Wisconsin, eh? You know, northern Wisconsin. So, uh, but up there, and we're fishing, hunting, all those things. And he's like, "So I, this, I love this." And he's, and I didn't really want to go, and he couldn't figure this out. And there was an old bicycle there, and I'd watched breaking away. And I have a motorcycle there, and like he's looking out the window, going like, "The kids riding the bicycle." Like, 
old gravel roads. Like, you know, he's not putting this together because like, why would you? So I literally took tape out and I'm taping my feet to the pedals of this thing. Cause it didn't have, it was an old bit of more balloon tire bike. We called it back in it. And I'm riding the gravel roads training. And my father can't figure this out. Like, why is this kid who does everything else with a motorcycle riding his bicycle? And so those are some of the things I did um, back in the day, um, early 80s, that was. I and love then, it. Um, and then uh, they went and watched, and they had, and the program, and the, cool, and the very big program was called the Stock Bike Program, Schwinn, Schwinn at the time, which was quite big. Um, I think it was still the original Schwinn. And, um, they would give a custom-made Schwinn Paramount to the winner of the stock bike program Ooh. for the year. And I was kind of on track with that. I'd missed a few, and I was in the second position. And I, I wanted to win this bike. I, I, wanted the, I wanted the race track racing. And I, and I didn't get it, and it was probably more of – I started a couple weeks late, and then I had to travel a little bit, and I missed a couple weeks. And so my father, I guess, felt really guilty and went out and bought me my first track bicycle. And – I oh, wow. love motorcycles, but they didn't become my thing. My father was my biggest fan, traveled all around. I'd show up in a race in Pennsylvania. There's his truck or something like that. And, uh, you know, he pushed me for many years at the start line. And it was really cool. I mean, my hometown, it's a big deal. And so, like, you know, like my cousin, like, she literally sung the national anthem. My father's uh. pushed me on the bike. My brother, my mother's there, my aunts, my cousins, in addition to friends. Um storybook you know like really storybook you don't and then and then uh, so i won every bicycle race i entered except for my Whoa. very first first one which had a starting point and a finish line in two different places which is a lifelong thing here if you don't know where your goal or target is you're not going to hit it so i got second in that race and i never let that happen again. I, I want well. <laughs> it happened once. It happened once, and I'll explain it if we get to it. I'll explain that one. So anyway, and then I got sick, and when I say I got sick, I uh, there's more known about it today. But I was in Wisconsin at 15. I got a rare disease called Mukukutonis lymphatic syndrome. Like what the f is that, right? And so um, <laughs> I don't know your audience. I gotta I gotta watch my piece <laughs> what of the f but, is that? And so Mono? it's actually Kawasaki disease. Uh, oh. You may have heard of it now. Nobody did then. And now that I live more on the Pacific Rim, state of Washington, uh, it was discovered in Japan in 1966. So I got it in like 84. Get them, it's pre-internet. You can't search this stuff. And um, I was like, maybe the first or second case in the state of Wisconsin. And very few Caucasians got it. It was mostly Asian children. Um, and mostly two, three, four-year-olds. And... Uh. Anyway, and so this is at a time toxic shock is going on. They're like, you're playing with tampons? I'm like, well, even if, even if I'm thinking, even if I was, you know, I'm a boy, what would I say? You know, I'm like, no. Um, but I, I lived because people were dying of toxic shock. That was kind of a thing. You got to be old enough to know the story. Um, toxic shock. And then, um, and then uh, did I have scarlet fever, rheumatic fever? I mean, they were just going through the whole litany of things. And you were getting that, or is it had, just going around? Well, they didn't know what I had. They it took oh, a while okay, to okay. figure this. So I hear I'm in the, I'm in the hospital. I, I literally was like this amazing athlete, and now in a hospital bed. I had a list of symptoms a mile long, but like I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't 
you know, I'm lying there. I had 105 temperature. They, they stacked me with ice, which was, that is probably one of the most vivid things I still have today is being stacked in ice, like uh. Uh, freezing and shivering. Cause 107, like you're dead or something like that. So 105 is really high. Like you can start to have damage and, and, uh, nobody knows what's going on i lived through the night so like well maybe it doesn't have toxic shock and and so the skin on my hands was peeling off like i could take a piece of skin and just peel it that's pretty bizarre it was like dead skin on my hands and my feet and the youngest nurse i had um and the reason i say youngest because she was the most recent out of school you know like so if the nurse was 40 or 50 at the time which is nothing right but like she was probably 25 or 30 or something like that she goes i've seen this and she went home i wish i knew who she was to her credit and she didn't know where she saw it she goes i saw it in a book somewhere and she paged through all her books oh my gosh like this and you, and you think of medical books right yeah yeah yeah. all her nursing and she found books the, yeah and she found it and you know so she'd probably been in school in like 79 or 78 now mind you this disease at that point is not even 10 years old so it's very new dr kawasaki pretty fascinating guy um and she goes this is what i think he has kawasaki disease and today some people have heard of it uh more in the pacific rim back then the percentages were quite scary and there were more deaths associated with it and and if I share the numbers back then versus today, they're, they're different. Cause like I had a doctor's appointment uh, last year or whatever, mm-hmm. pre COVID anyway. And um, because my wife had brought up and things like that, like there's no long-term studies on this here. I am at right. 54, 55 now. And I don't know anyone my age has had it. Like, I don't know anybody who's old. And uh, so I like him with the doctor. I go, have you ever met anybody as old as me? And he's like, <laughs> why just because you survived it well it's so new too and you don't see people oh so you're I, talking about back when you're a teenager yeah like in oh, other okay, words okay. you know like so you know it's even 66 is being discovered in 66 which is the year i was born is not an old disease per se i mean covid's young but you know uh and anyway he's like no you're the oldest person i actually met who's had this i'm like but I do believe there's lots of survivors. But the percentage rates were pretty staggering as far as something like 3% of them develop an aneurysm. Oh. Lucky me. I developed an aneurysm in my right coronary artery. Well, like now, though, that, but back, or back then. 1982-ish or something, 1983. And then uh, at the time, 90-plus percent of these kids died who got the aneurysm. Right. And so here I am today. Now today that percentage is much lower than much. There's a much higher and it's, it was so new, uh, but then it was pretty freaky to know, to, to be 15. I'm looking at my parents, look at me. So I got all my mental faculties, but I couldn't do anything. Couldn't feed myself. And uh, so, and then you hear these things like this kid's chance of survival is pretty small. Yeah. You know, and, I'm surviving. And they put me on aspirin as a blood thinner. That was probably the, one of the most challenging things I have ringing in my ears today. However, I was in a recent car accident, as I told you, and uh, I really, I mean, it was a big one and the ringing is now greater than ever and louder than ever. And I've had anyway, uh, whatever I, I'm here. I'm okay. My first time I was on my deathbed, got up from that. And so 
went through that whole deal, uh, started to come back, tried to do sports and things like that. And I had met this doctor. So the weird thing about being 15 and having a heart disease is you're not a kid, so you don't go to a pediatrician, but you're not an right. adult. And right. so where's the, where's the medicine in between? Uh-huh. And so they're like, well, we got to take this guy to like a heart specialist. Well, do we take him to an adult or to a kid? So they, the biggest heart specialist they could find nearby was in Milwaukee. And we went to Milwaukee and it's a, you know, it was a room full of toys and kids. <laughs> and, and um, where's you know, the leg like, go? <laughs> you know, and, and so anyway, so I go through all that and he finally he goes, you know, you got permission to resume a normal life. Oh, fast, you're like, fast, fast, oh, forward, okay. fast forward Great. a couple years, my local news, Milwaukee news, which was north of me. That's the big news. Um, did an article on me. I was a national champion in a couple of events. And the doctor so you got watched. back to cycling back then. Well, right took after couple, took a couple of years. Like, okay, of course. I went. I went to the national championships the next year. I qualified. Ooh, good, good. I beat the national champion, but okay. by the time I got to the later rounds, I had no endurance. Like, like I just yeah. this disease had really taken a lot out of me. And mm-hmm. I remember I still have friends with the guys today. He goes, yeah, you put me through the reps and it was very hard for him. And he ended up coming back and getting second. Cause I tired him out. And I'm like, I was, I was so tired. I got like, I don't know, seven. I didn't make the top four, even though I beat the best guy there. Um, but the doctor was watching TV and he, <laughs> he's like, and he's kind of thinking, do I know this name? And he goes to the work the next day. He goes, look up the name, Paul Swift. He goes, that kid was a patient of mine. I told him he could resume normal life. Not this. You need to get him here right now. And so like, the phone's ringing. Like, we need to get him. I didn't tell him he could do this. And because he's giving me permission. He's thinking he's giving permission to kill myself, basically. Right. You know, I mean, uh, some well, athletes. You didn't exactly you know, heard, say what I could do. I mean, that is my normal no, life. Right? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I did things like uh, I couldn't ride a bicycle. So I bought like a pad for my friends bmx bikes and i would sit on the pad they'd pedal me around like and my friends were awesome and so i i I got to still live life you know i got to um anyway so this doctor calls me and then i had an uh, um mri heart catheterization where they stick uh they go in through they went they pick an artery here through your leg and they went in they go in your heart and you see on the screen you see your little valves going it's pretty wild looking they give you this dye and just feel like you pee all over yourself it's like like what was that you know and they're like that's just the dye we injected in you (laughs) you know and but but it was it's probably it's done a lot of made me who i'm today because like i remember i finally getting going home from the hospital i'm lying on the couch my father one day is like go outside and i'm like man i i I don't want to go outside and like he pushed me he's like get your ass outside so i for the, I don't know, maybe I'm a month or two into this thing, and I finally go outside for the first time and sit in a lawn chair. Remember lawn chairs? Yeah. And I fall asleep. But I made it outside. And so then I finally saw the front of the house. And I'm like, I'm going to get to the sidewalk. Because I knew when I got to the sidewalk, I could see the end of my block. And at the end of my block was the playground. And that's mm-hmm. where I wanted to go. Yeah. And I remember I'm going to make it to that corner, and I'm going to see the playground, and my world will open back up to me. And those are my goals along the way to mm-hmm. like every day I went outside after that finally every day I finally you know it was another bigger goal it was another bigger goal um, but that is probably one of the biggest driving things I have today um, my mother passed pre-covid luckily because I got to see her and be with yeah. her but people didn't understand like you know your mama's boy and this and that. like well yeah my mother <laughs> ra- raised <laughs> me twice she raised yeah. me twice 
Only the second time I had all my mental faculties, you know? So, you know, she had to feed me. She had to help me get to the bathroom. She had to clothe me. She had to, you know, and I remember one time apologizing to my parents. I'm, I'm sorry I let myself, I'm sorry I let this happen to me. And they're like, what do you mean let this happen to you? you, you yeah, you, really. You know, and I'm sorry I was such a burden on the family and blah, blah, blah. And so I've, there's a lot of things that all my family and relatives knew because I was kind of a, you know, I won every bike race, a popular kid. And so there's this thing called, uh, I'm writing this story called Watermelon in Bed. And uh, my mother took watermelon, watermelon in bed because it was the first thing I ate. So, oh, because my geez. mother took watermelon remember this is before seedless took the seeds out and oh, put the watermelon geez. in my mouth and i couldn't chew it it dribbled like that's how weak i was but watermelon oh. was finally the first thing i ate and so for many years probably till the day yeah till the day my mother died if I, when i went home to visit her so that there's always a bowl of cut watermelon oh. with the seeds taken out oh. and <laughs> And so it was hard. It was probably hard on my brother. I got all this attention, but I didn't want it. I wouldn't have wished this on anybody. Right. Uh, a lot of it really sucked. A lot of it was really hard, but it's just, it was my hand. It was what dealt to me. You, you deal with it. Yeah. Right. So it didn't obviously stop you because you went on <laughs> to, uh, you know, to yeah. Cycling USA. Not, no, yeah. sorry. I was but on the U.S. cycling got, oh, team for a while. Eight times national champion on the yeah. track. So yeah. I mean, like I got to travel the world. Didn't obviously stop you, and then yeah, yeah. The, that that heart catheterization thing turned out to be okay. Yeah, <laughs> my right aneurysm is slightly bigger than normal, but mm -hmm. it was not like a an aneurysm is like a balloon or a bubble of it, and so you have a very thin like if you take a vein, which is or something like the size of a pencil, and you were to blow up like a bubble in an area, it would be very thin, and that's if that bursts, you're usually gone, and so um, that has been okay it's been watched and so i my mother kept all the documents i've kept all the documents i've tried to figure out like do i need to donate my stuff to somebody there's just not a long a lot of long-term information on this disease oh geez yeah i've met some kids now that have had it and they've all been asian i'm the only white person caucasian person i've ever met with it although yeah. it does now you know it can, it can strike anyone but so when I say Pacific Rim, that's why it was more Asian. It was, you know, mm -hmm. Japan and the Pacific Rim is, you know, the first place when you get over to this part of the, yeah, yeah. the world. And so it's kind of, it was kind of a Pacific Rim only disease. And then now it's kind of spread. So how did it get, take you to <laughs> like, so yeah. you were able to recover, you got back on your bike and yeah. then you've had an exceptional um career since so just give a, a little bit yeah. of a snippet into that career and how it sort of brought you to find your company yeah. bike fit it, it is what led to it like yeah well, of course so because i beat the national champion in first round and didn't do well i got invited to live in training to olympic training center so in Ooh. high school i moved away from home and went to high school in colorado springs <gasps> Nice. But it was there, I was introduced to the original fit kit, which is probably the first and oldest commercial fitting system available. And I think I developed the second. It was very different, uh, mm -hmm. but it was there under Eddie B, who recently passed and he had COVID. Uh, late Dr. Ed Burke, who I then also befriended. We did some works together after cycling, uh, where I, ha I have a leg link difference. Or, well, 
I don't know what I actually have now. I had a leg length difference. And when you're racing at that level and you have a difference, and my difference was, well, as I got older, it changed a little bit, like about a centimeter though. Oh, and wow. so um, I started building up pedals and uh, mm. shoes, for example. Yeah. There's a shoe built up right there, looking a little Frankenstein looking compared to this shoe. See that? Oh, yeah. And so that's where I started tinkering with my fit. So I built up pedals. I think I have the pedals here too. I built up and I started fabricating stuff and making stuff to try and, and there was no place to go study this. There was no school. There was no, and I think it's one of the things that really got me into tinkering with the equipment that led me mm -hmm. to fitting. Uh, there was also at the time it was Bill Farrell. He was the first, I give him a lot of credit for introducing the bike fitting and fit kit. Um, he showed a picture of people standing all side by side. I forget yeah. how many men, women, children, sizes, shapes. Nobody was the same height. And every single person in the picture had the same inseam length though. And it has always been in my brain. Like, Oh really? That is interesting. That is you know? interesting. Like, I mean, if you looked at it you'd like, you would never even go on that this person and this person had the same inseam because they look so different. <laughs> and the age difference and, you know, weight, some of them were big and this and that. And they're like, and so it was just a fascinating thing that always stuck in my mind. I've actually asked Fitkit today, and they supposed a picture somewhere. I said, I'd like to have that and show that as history because we didn't show it in the class. I may or may not have talked about it, but it was just one of those, you know, we have often like a moment of something that kind of is the turning point or the, yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, like I've had them later in life. Uh, so like when I came over the wedges, I got a doctor who's looking at the wedges and he's like going like this and he throws it down like this and walks away. Like, <laughs> You're like, did you like it? <laughs> and so these two women came up and they're physical therapists. And this was really early, way before I met you. And like, well, I got this product that does this, this, and it's like, Oh, that totally makes sense. Cause the body does this and the foot does this. And, and I had started bike fitting tinkering with my stuff and then i noticed the equipment wears crooked like pedals all wear crooked all oh. pedals wear crooked okay so the manufacturers go we need to make it stronger so it doesn't wear crooked and i'm like so why does it wear crooked mm -hmm. because of the way we are as people and the way we interface yeah, the way we walk. so that's what helped me come up with the wedges a friend of mine and i and so i don't know it was a couple weeks later the phone rings when i was in california on the couch with no hot water no heater um <laughs> starting this, your business like and, most I had of a, us. and i had another guy <laughs> working for me in that same environment and he's like oh, there's a there's a dr robert moore on the phone chief of he's a like, at ucla medical and he wants to talk to you you're like i remember this dude <laughs> no i had no i had doctors call me tell me i shouldn't do this literally hmm. i literally had doctors saying you shouldn't do this and i and i and i didn't even solicit these doctors they found me i'm like so doctors, doctor, like, not physiotherapists, but doctors. I, I, that's who I send everybody to do is physios first now. But I, yeah. not, um, so I had this doctor out of, out of Tennessee. I wish I could remember his name. You shouldn't do this. I said, well, do you think people should see a doctor to set their seat height? Cause yeah, that, really? Mm -hmm. He goes, oh yeah. I said, oh, cool. Can you give me that uh, list of doctors? <laughs> Radio silence. <laughs> there was no, there was no set of doctors out there doing bike fits. You know, Dr. Pruitt yeah, that's ridiculous. 
Right. Dr. Pruitt was one of the first ones, and he became my biggest customer, by the way. And I saw Dr. Oh, yeah. Dr. Dr. Andy Pruitt. I was 15 the first time I saw him and he looked at me. He became one of my biggest customers. I've hung out in his lab. I mean, some of the stuff he's designed, he got a patent. That was basically my idea, but whatever. I mean, it, it, it was all. And so radio silence. And it was really a couple of doctors finally said, well, look, if this bike fitting world's going to do this, maybe we should help and support it. And so this doctor, he's like, Paul, what's up? Bob Moore here, chief of podiatry, you said medical. Because <laughs> now he calls himself Bob instead of Robert, you know, and I'm just like, yeah. And he's like, um, you know, I saw your product the other day and I'm like, oh, I, I was thinking this was you, you know. And he goes, you know, it really pissed me off. I'm like, oh, great. This guy's going to chew my ass out. And he goes, I'm, I'm just pissed about it. And he goes, I thought of that idea years ago. Can I help oh. <laughs> can I help you? And I was like, can you help me? Like, you, you got to understand, Dr. Robert Moore was one of the biggest podiatrists in the world. He was like Shaquille O'Neal's doctor. I mean, like, and, Whoa, he, rode a, really? and he rode a bicycle. Um, so when people say I've got, I mean, people will mention Dr. Andy Pruitt, who's a very well-known dude in, in the world of cycling and fitting. But like, I mean, this product, uh, I got to work at Richard Jacks. I got to work all kinds of people. The pelvis is crossroads of human function. That's why I say now the pelvis, therefore, is the crossroads of cycling. But um, I mean, I've this product, I mean, I've sat in on chiropractic courses, medical courses, this, that. And Bob comes in and let me help you. And so he comes into my little garage office because I did have a front area that didn't look like I lived there. So I could close that off. And hangs out and helps me. He came up with that little tool. Remember the tool to measure the foot? Yes. He helped me come up with that tool. And then he helped me refine how to use it and teach it at the bike fit level. And so like you'll, a clinician that doesn't know anything about it, go, oh, you don't lie, I'm in a prone position, this. And I'm like, dude, I had to go into a bike shop, which had no space. I didn't feel like selling uh, refrigerators to Eskimos. In other words, a massage table into a bike shop that had no space. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I, we developed it on a chair to use it because of space. It was a very different world and market back then. Mm-hmm. And he, and it was... Well, great content, Paul. Your grammar kind of sucks, but you have great content. And I, and I just go like, thank God I had content. Because what if I didn't have content? Yeah, really? the, grammar Sorry, the grammar can be fixed. Because <laughs> I can always pay somebody to do the grammar, right? And uh, yeah. so at least I had content. And I've always been grateful for that. My, my grammar still kind of sucks today. Uh, hey. But whatever. You can, I, I force myself to write. I force myself. And like, I don't care. I'll back it up with like hard work. I'll kick your ass in some other way. I, you know what I mean? I don't care whether my them's and theirs are wrong. Because here I am at the Olympic Training Center, and I'm like, oh, look at them mountains. And the dude next to me goes, what did you say? I said, look at them mountains. He goes, dude, look at those mountains. I'm like, I mean, I wanted to punch the guy off his bike. But my school, I want to go back. I literally want to go back to my unified school district, take a grammar class, and send them the bill because they passed me in English. And I have terrible grammar today them's in there you know we all so. just tried to get through high school back then <laughs> like yeah. and i'm yeah, one of them at junior high even you know very and grateful so remember, very grateful so <laughs> my mother kept all my papers so i looked at this shit i really did i looked at my english and junior high and high school after that i was so pissed off i was so insulted and i'm like it wasn't corrected you know it wasn't corrected and i'm like ah oh. so I, I i don't know I, I don't know if i'll ever do it anymore like when my mother was alive, I thought I'd want to get a degree, but like, so I'm you know, doing this. St- it's funny you mentioned that 
because yeah. I feel kind of the same way. And this is kind of off yeah. topic, but well, it, the sorry, English I've been language rambling. and no, seriously, I feel like that too. Like I've, you know, I create stuff and I'm like, and even I'm like, I just feel like a little bit inadequate, but I'm like, Ugh, whatever. Um, I'm here and I'm doing this, but yeah. I'm like you, like I'd, I'd like to get a degree just to get a degree and do English. Yeah. Well, all you know, and then here I'm a dude that like, you know, if I went back to the bar stool in my hometown, it's like I never left, you know, but I got to see the world and to find somebody from another country who speaks and writes English better than I do pisses me off, you know, but you can't let it hold you back. So, yeah. 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 Lots of other things to, uh, to work on and and to, to create. So you've spent like, I didn't realize you had so much pr- like product design. I mean, forget about English. Let's just talk about here. Um, like the Look SPD dual spin pedal. Right? Yeah. Who doesn't yeah. have that in yeah. one of so their spin of you, classes? I've had those. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, this is one of the recent packages. The cleat from, wedge, the adjustable seating stem. Yeah. yeah. So I patented that and licensed to those guys. And yeah. I bought a That's bunch everywhere. of those. Oh, Sorry. I have, I took my, <laughs> have some here. <laughs> I took my daughter to like a, a cycle bar the other day. And, uh, you know, you know, the, the chain cycle bar. Not, yeah. yeah. And uh, the pedals were there and, and, and the gal starts going, and we got these pedals. And, and now my daughter, they don't really know what I did. I mean, they know, but like, and I was like, and we got out of there. I said, do you know, I designed that pedal. And they're like, really i said you know that pedals all around the world they're like really you know and <laughs> they don't even know they have no idea that like oh. millions and million billions probably now people have touched this product you know um yeah it's a very so, popular spin bike pedal so <laughs> like shoot i remember when those things came out i'm like bah, give me a bunch because <laughs> like now i can accommodate more clients right yeah yeah. Look, SPD, you know, mm-hmm. don't touch, don't take the pedals off. Just oh, get your bike. That's what drove it. So, yeah, you know, I was early on going to one of these classes. I was an alternate on the Olympic team the third time. I was all depressed and I went to a spin class. <laughs> I remember losing like five pounds in one class. I was so pissed. I just sweat and like crazy and like just, and I was like, because my idea of, I was like, no way will people like spinning. There's just no way because my introduction to indoor cycling was as a cyclist, right? Mm-hmm. And so at the Olympic Training Center in 1982 and stuff like that, we had these ergometers or stationary bikes made, which by the way, I've made my own. I have my own. It's in my basement today that I made that I did all my product testing on over the years. I have my own stationary bike. And back then, they were, they were, these workouts sucked. I mean, like, if you had the one o'clock slot or the two o'clock slot to go do your workout, because there was only like five or six bikes and like 20 people. So they cycled you through all day at the Olympic Training Center. You didn't eat lunch because if you did eat lunch, you, I didn't realize when I walked into the room of the stationary bikes, I'm like, wow, every single one of them has a garbage bucket next to it. Shut up. <laughs> it's a true story. Building 82 down at the Olympic Training Center. Eddie B had a glass. He goes, I want a glass here so I can see the athletes. Every stationary bike had a bucket next to it. 
I don't know if I know one cyclist that has never vomited at least once. And I quickly learned if you had the one o'clock, two o'clock time slot in the afternoon, you just didn't eat lunch because it came up and went in the bucket. And so I'm thinking, this is group cycling. People want to do this crap. Like they want to get in a, like, wow. there's no way. And then I did, I'm like, it was kind of fun the way they did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the bike really sucks though. And you got to remember at the time I was, I was a world-class athlete at the time, my custom bike and this and that, and I took a spin class and. You're like, how can I fit this for me? Like, come on. So that's what started my designing of indoor bikes. And so I was in Auburn university. I'm hanging out with Bill Kazmaier, a friend of mine, world's strongest man. And Bill Kazmaier was down there and he was bringing in a bike from Italy, a Panada sport. And I'm like, dude, we need to make our own bike. We need to make it do this better. Um, and then anyway, the Panada sport bike was pretty cool. It was 96. And he's like, it doesn't really sell. I said, I think you need to have a program to go with it. He goes, can you do that? I go, oh yeah, sure. Not a problem. Never taught a spin class in my life. Two weeks later, he put me on a plane, set me up to Portland, Maine to a gym owned by Matt Smalls. I remember his name and it was a room full of bikes. And so I like drove to Atlanta, took a spin class. I drove to, I took a spin class in a dark room. I don't know if you remember this when this happened. There used to be dark rooms. Oh, they had all sorts of different right. ways but of spinning. Can, can you imagine working out someone in the dark and like they, because I've been at this so long, maybe you have now, like I've had people pass out and faint, you know, like I've had to. I, I, I have, I keep a close eye on people. Yeah. I have to, and maybe so once almost. You know, you're in a blacked out room and I'm like, there's no way you could do that today. So I went to a couple of those. I wrote a manual with my good grammar. Um, in a week, I, for the first time ever, first time ever in my life, I actually flew without a bicycle. The only reason I ever got on a plane was with a bicycle. And uh, I remember calling my mother, I go, I think I found what I'm going to do. And, uh, and I've like, I had no idea. I taught it an entire weekend, two instructors, how to teach indoor cycling. And I'd never done it before. And they asked me to come back. Oh, did you kind like, of um, put together, say, like a track workout? You know, because like um, if you were a cyclist, I mean, you would have gotten, you yeah. know, like a, you know, like a, an interval workout. So I'm yeah, just like, come I, on, I'll just I, put I, this on to the spin bike. Yeah, I developed that later Yeah, because uh, I was so new into it and I kind of copied more of their <laughs> style. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, uh, which brings me to another story, but I copied that later and incorporated some things. And I, I developed a class I called the ride with a champion. And I developed the class that worked on accelerations and different things to break it up a little bit from the typical, mm-hmm. cause back then you had good music and you were kind of rah, rah, you won. That, that's, <laughs> that's it. But I mean, so I said, I'm going to kill kindness. Oh, no, and, yeah. yeah. And so I just killed them with positive every, I'm like, just, pump them up, make them feel good, get the bike fit. <laughs> oh, make the bike fit is important. Make them comfortable. And this bike yeah. had a shifter, which was way ahead of its time. The shifter uh-huh. was cool because it was a stupid turn knob forever. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Is this kind of before Johnny G, like uh, Mad Dog no, no, Athletics? Or Johnny, was this around the same Johnny, time? Yeah, Johnny G had just started. Um, and he... Um, that's who I got certified with. Yeah. And I'm going to have to take one quick break in the middle of this. I apologize, but I will. um, Me too. I got to get my uh, power cord. 
Okay. Maybe we'll take a, a mini break. You want to do that right now? Like Let's couple, do it right now. A minute? You can do that? Okay. Yes. I hate I just to ask go in grab the middle. My, I don't know if you could record and splice cord. or whatever. Okay. Okay. Cool. Second. I'll be right back. Let's go. All right, guys, this is super cool. Before we get started, I just want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast so that you're make sure that you get all the notifications for the episodes as they come out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, and don't forget to go ahead and leave a five-star review if you feel so moved and also a review. That would be greatly appreciated. Now let's wait until we get Paul comes back. Let's just check out some of his books there. I got money. We've got I like Paul has such a repertoire of like history written and published several books, materials, and articles on bike fitting, licensed products or technologies like spinning, Schwinn Fitness, Stairmaster, Specialized Core Health and Fitness and more. Talk Bite Fits Worldwide. Designer Lamond Revmaster. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Cannondale Track Bike. Adjustable Sizing Stem. Okay, sorry Did about that. Did you get a snack? No, I didn't. Uh, it's something I'm going to show in a second here. Oh, cool. All right, so just to, um, all right, so, so we left off at Johnny G. So was Johnny G around when I got into this? Yeah, Johnny G had just started, and so there were some of these spin classes around the country, um, but it was quite new yet, and Johnny G was still involved with spinning today. That's right. separate of spinning. Yeah. And... So I'm with Bill Kazmar. He's bringing in this Italian bike and like, you know, we need to make our own bike. We, we can do better than this. And so one of my, now I've done the Canada track bike and a few other things, but that kind of drove me. I thought the bike could be better. And there's a long story there of all kinds of different things. But uh, that going up and teaching that weekend and them asking me to come back was like, that was just mind blowing. I had never, I mean, I had never taught a class 
<laughs> I'd only. They don't taken, really need to know. I had taken like maybe maybe five classes and I jammed them all in. Like I taken <laughs> one, right? I taken one and then I jammed in like three or four to go and teach this thing. And 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 the faith that you know Bill Kazmaier put into me. And I when I say the name Kaz, Kaz is pretty famous too. I don't know if that name's from. He was a former World Strongest Man for many years. He's the announcer on the Strongman shows. I mean oh. Bill Kazmaier is is a, is a good friend of mine and. And he was bringing in this Italian stuff. And um, the fact that he, you know, trusted me and gave me the shot and opportunity is just mind-blowing. And I see him at fitness shows around the world. They, he's been to a couple now where they're like, Paul, they want me to ride the bike. And I'm like, don't worry about it. So I'll travel around the show. And because the dude's three-something, I find a bigger seat. And I bring my pedal spaces. I'm always traveling with him. I made the bike wider. And I said, dude, just pedal for a couple minutes, get off the bike and walk around. Cause just your sheer presence of how big you are. And he's like, really? And he'll be up there like two minutes dying. And I'm like, get off the bike and walk around, get off the bike. Really? Off. You don't have to be on the bike the whole time. Anyway. Cause you know, remember there's that debate for a while, whether you should teach on the bike or off the bike, like who cares? Anyway. I do both because okay. let's be, let's face it. If you're going to talk about spin instruction, when you're an instructor, when I had my studio, um, like the time that I went down to your place um, and you teach so many classes, it's impossible to always teach on the bike. And some people just do it, but it's so yeah. not healthy for you. I, I you lived know? in Southern Cal. I met, I knew a couple people yeah. that did 20 plus classes yeah. a week. A week? Can you imagine? But they're not just, they might not just be spinning, but they're like, they're multi facets like instructors and they, they just need to do that to pay the bills. Um, uh, well, yeah, but, I mean, because it didn't pay a lot. And so you had to do it for passion and all those things. And, uh, and, and just know. that's a whole other. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> I, that's you know, a whole other episode. Anyway, I, a whole fast forward to like me wanting to develop a bike and blah, blah, yes. blah. So I developed a new bike. So the wedge, a friend of mine. So I did a study at Auburn University in a wedge and it pr produced more power. And I did a, anyway. So I did a bunch of cool stuff there in the health and performance lab, but it, they're like, Paul, will you come work for us? It was my friend and he'd raise some money. And I'm like, dude, I need, dude, I'm a bike racer. I got to go get my degree. I mean, I got to move out of my life, man. Come on. You know, I got, I'm 32 <laughs> or something at the time. I don't have my degree. And he's like, dude, we'll give you a job. And finally he goes, look, we'll give you an apartment. We'll pay for your moving expenses. And I'm like, isn't the reason for a degree to get a job? I mean, right. Yeah. And I'm like, I got a job. They're paying for my apartment. They're paying for my moves. Skip that degree, man. I'm going. And so I went and moved to California and started with the bike fit stuff. And oh, there were so many things that needed to be developed there. It was only the wedge at the time. But I always had this dream of designing an indoor bike or a spin bike. Always. I've had it since the first time I took a class. And I went to California, so I'm going to meet Johnny G, right? And so I do. I would go down to the headquarters. So I'd go really? to the headquarters and meet him, and I realized how crazy. He's a nice man, but he's no, also No, I've crazy. heard he's a bit. <laughs> he's also crazy. I like him. Um, <laughs> but, and, you know, the things that he did, I think it just sometimes people just have to be a little bit off. I, he so got he, attention. It worked. He, he did amazing programs yeah. because they are yeah. so – because they're very – they're very cycling oriented, like cycling, you know, cyclists. He, he, I, I, one time I, I was at one trade show with him and I said, you know, I, I, I want to thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, you were probably the best doorman I've ever met. And he's like, 
I said, "Cause you opened a freaking door for me, and the opportunity." You know, what I mean, I just yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I like yeah. to shock people with the way I word that. I go, "No, dude, you open up the doors for so many people." I go, "Oh, that's awesome! I love that." And, and so then he took it as like the compliment, you know. But first, mm-hmm. like, I'm a doorman, you know, and I'm like, "No, you you open up doors." And so I'm in California, and I want to, and I'm, I hook up with like this world aerobics champion who's teaching and brought in a bike from and i'm looking at bikes and i want to design a bike because there got to be a better bike than the spin bike at the time which is not a great bike so i go to the headquarters johnny's there sometimes and on the schedule and sometimes not and johnny was kind of cool but i'm telling you with the exception of the ceo of look the most arrogant people I ever met was at the johnny g headquarters it was unbelievable how arrogant and now i've had my moments in life they made me look like and I would go, and so Johnny G wasn't there one day. And finally, I'm, I tried a couple different avenues to launch a bike. I had a partner who I thought stole everything. I had this, I had that. Finally, I said, that's it. I'm going to join spinning. I'm going to volunteer to work for them for free if I have to. If they say there's nothing for me, I'm going to go clean the bathrooms. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in with spinning, and I'm going to make this company. Like I'm going to do my designs and stuff. And so I go to the spinning headquarters, which used to be in Culver City in the old campus building and now their headquarters are in Santa Monica and so Johnny G wasn't there of course and so everybody's got this attitude and I'm always trying to like do the wedges and fitting like my my door in right mm-hmm. and so there's a, I had developed a class I had my little resume and I called it a ride with a champion I had special events and I'm like well maybe I first before I offer to clean the bathrooms first <laughs> maybe 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 I can get up on that stage because I was pretty felt and fit at the time and, uh, ah, I and those instructors up there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I've been a group fitness nut forever. People don't realize that I've, I've been an aerobics nut. I've been, I started yeah. with jazzercise. I met the, the Are you lady serious? who invented you actually jazzercise. Taught jazzercise. No, no, no. I took the classes. Oh, and you I, was always in, I was always interested in the instructor. Right. And so, you know, I was a young, single fit dude and there's that person <laughs> on the podium who we used to really look up to that person, right? Do you remember that? I mean, and there's I that look, guy in the front board. There he whatever. is. Whatever. And so <laughs> I was so fit because I wanted that instructor. Anyway, so the uh, I go to the headquarters and I give my resume to the gal. And I can't remember her name, but I know somebody who knows her name. But anyway, so I said, I have this ride. I'm looking for an opportunity. What can I do to get the chance? And she looks at me and she's like, so you've taught some uh, spin classes before? I said, yeah, I've taught quite a few classes. I'm very careful with the word because they were. So what bikes have you taught? And I said, you know, I've actually taught on more than most people because I had taught on the Italian bikes, the body bike, the Reebok bike, the, you know, which at the time four bikes was huge. Now there's a plethora of bikes, know. but yeah. And she's like, so you've taught on the spinning bike? I said, yeah. And she goes, are you spinning certified? I said, uh, you know, to be honest, no, I'm not. And she goes, puts her finger in my face in the headquarters people around how dare you teach spinning how dare you jump on a spin? you may oh think you know something about cycling but you know nothing about this program you should never be and she's yelling at me in front of all these people Are you and i'm ready to go and clean the bathrooms i was giving up on my dream that day giving i was gonna forget my dream and i'm trying to slowly pull my resume because i don't want to keep it there and I walk out the front door, I walk out the front door of this building, and I look Whoa. up, and I said, I'm going to design the best spin bike program in the world, best bike in the world, and I'm going to be watching the debut with me, I'm my, with my armor on my mother's shoulders, and I'm going to watch this happen. 
with a 10 by 10 screen TV. And it's never been done in the world. I had this 10 vision. By 10 screen. And I was off because there was two 10 by 10 screen TVs. Two years later, I'm at Ursa. Greg LeMond's on the bike. I have a World Aerobics Champion on the bike. I got the best indoor cycling instructor you can imagine. teaches rate day classes. Some people say it was the second biggest thing, but it's the biggest thing I've ever seen at Ursa. It was huge. People were everywhere trying to bombard this booth on my bike with my program. And I want to take that lady out to lunch and thank her so much. Oh, I love my, my heart. I am not mad at her. She gave me one of the biggest gifts in my life by chewing my ass out. And so $140 million <laughs> of product later, I'm sitting in the world spinning headquarters. This is by spinning, by the way. See, spinning uh-huh yeah with the ceo now there's two johns the other john not johnny because people go how do you, you designed all these other products how is it you're doing something with spinning so well i patented this pedal here right you know so i licensed it to spinning and i'm sitting there and i'm telling him the story i said you understand i wanted to work for you you understand i came here i would have cleaned your bath your personal bathroom i'd have done anything i could and this lady chewed my ass out and now 140 million dollars of product later that was some of it was taken your market it was a different market then it was growing so we displaced quite a bit but it was also a growing market now it's a total different market yeah, yeah and no um so here i am today and because some mm -hmm. people were like how did you become such a, a competitor how are you now like the world spinning sport and spinning uh, conventions i i go to some of these conventions around with the world spinning conventions and stuff like that i went to a bunch of them too oh down in miami in the 80s yeah Right. Yeah, I went to the one in Miami. So, oh, Miami, were you one of the hot instructors there? No, well, <laughs> <laughs> I have taught classes there, but my first one I brought bike fitting. And the guy's oh. like, bike fitting? This was when it was the, the first Miami hotel down there. And I brought bike fitting. And, I, and, he, and, and they didn't really want me there. And so I mm -hmm. looked at, I said, here's what I want. Because I wanted to get in free because I was going to offer a service, right? And so I said, here's what I want. I want you to put me in the worst place, the booth space that nobody wants. That's where I want you to put me. Every person that bitches complains that you don't want to deal with that, you don't like, don't even want the convention, I want you to send them all to me. I want your worst of your worst of your worst. <laughs> My booth at that convention had more people lined up than the entire convention put together from the, I got there early the next day and I brought a dude who spoke Spanish, French, and Italian. And his line was even longer because remember all the Latins that come and all right. the foreigners. And all we did was fitting. People were in so much pain. We did fitting all day long. I literally had women like, I'll show you whatever, like in a bar to work on their shoes at 10 o'clock at night after I've done like 50 fits during the day. Whoa. I was the most popular thing ever. And so I was, it was just mind blowing what I did for spinning. And, and wow, and I wouldn't think of that was, and, if and I well, was there then. So they, they didn't, I feel treated me very well. And so I didn't go back. And then I went back again. And then one time I said, I, I was an instructor. And I one, one time I went as an instructor, I'm like, screw it. I'm tired of working. I want to enjoy this convention for once. Because I love mm -hmm. the people. It's many, people the people were awesome, right? I mean, my God. They I, had great, um, oh, people from great uh, uh, breakout rooms and oh, uh, just like different programs and, I really, really enjoyed it. I went there and yeah. I always brought back like 
binders yeah. of notes for my yeah. instructors and I copy them and I handed them out and I'm like, here, this yeah. is, here's some new course ideas. Here's another, check yeah. them out, try them out. This is what I mean, they're teaching. Yes. What it they was brought amazing. was amazing. I love their program. They, they really brought something and I was so thrilled and fascinated to be part of it. And like, I think that year we helped them sell like a hundred pairs of shoes, which is like no shoe company world would be, could do a hundred pairs in that short period of time. And I tried to help build it up and they just were always too hard and challenging to work with. So I don't go wow, anymore. Really? And I would, and I would love to, and it was great. And the, the, the convention is not quite the same anymore, but, uh, and spinning lots, you know, spinning used to be the largest indoor cycling company in the world. Oh yeah. You know, like you had to have your spinning, to, you had to be a certified spin instructor to even get a job, like to hi, yeah. to work in my spinning studio. You had to, yeah go through the yeah. certification and I always yeah. put it on in our studio. Like oh, so two you times did some, a year. Oh, cool. Awesome. Oh, yeah. No, I was affiliated. Like they knew That's, me. I called in. I was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was there I, every I, year. I got to meet people from around the world that yeah. were like-minded and it was just, and I always thought then this was going to be, I always thought the indoor world and the outdoor world were going to collide one day. Mm -hmm. And that I've was got when the internet, of, like Facebook started. Yeah, and I got slides of predicting this, but then COVID and it really like it's a whole new indoor and outdoor world mm -hmm. like colliding is pretty amazing. And so um, those are things that, so as a cyclist, I was one of the few cyclists to sort of straddle the fitness world and cycling world. That is extraordinary. And wow. that has been what's kept it really fun for me. Mm -hmm. And so that moment of that lady chewing my ass out, um, it's interesting. Because I have that same fire again right now, and I'm so freaking excited, and I can't wait. And I hadn't, and I can't tell you all the details Is it of why. Of my phone call? <laughs> no, yes, exactly. Because I hadn't seen you in so long. I'm like, Sylvia remembers me. And oh my uh, God, do I remember you? How could I forget you? Like, you know, I've, I've and, reached out over the years. Yes, you have. I, I no, I, like I say, you, I, I'm, I'm thrilled and happy to be. People need to know who you are because you are, you're an awesome. Gal. You came to and one of my cycling camps at Mike's place to do some bike fits. I, I think it was timed at the same time. That's right. And yeah, yeah. you timed at the same time. You guys had a, um, a course at right. the same time I was there so that we could, yeah. Because I have this problem. I love Canada <laughs> and I don't like to go to Canada. Oh. And because uh, you're at the wrong I don't, end. <laughs> I don't like the border. I don't like the border. Oh. And I'm always hassled at the border. You wouldn't believe the crap I go through. And I have no. Okay. Like, well, if you shave that, that, so, that, so, you probably have less trouble. Well, so last time <laughs> I'm coming back, like I, I get an apple, I'm in Okotoks, right? And I got an apple and I want to get on the plane. And I'm going to eat this apple. And the guy's like, well, where's the sticker on the apple? I'm like, what? You know, when you buy yeah, fruit, yeah. you get those. I'm like, Who's I washed it off. That? But the really? border patrol guy, right? And I'm like, uh, well, I washed it off because I'd like to eat this apple. You can't bring this apple. I said, you know, sir, that's cool. I'm, I'm really early. I wanted to eat the apple. Can I go eat it and come back? Well, that was the total wrong thing to say. I totally pissed this guy off. I barely made my plan. That's just one example of many of me in the border. So anyway, I love Canada other than that border thing. And there was a gal there who worked for like the federal department or something. Mm -hmm. Do you remember her? She fell on her wrist and I pulled on her wrist for a little while and her wrist was feeling better. Oh, and she's like, I will fix that for you. She hasn't done it yet. Cause I still, last time at the border, they're like, go sit in oh, that room. Geez. 
Oh. So I'm sitting in a room for an hour, and finally this guy comes up. He goes, why are you here? And I go, you know what, dude? I have no idea. I think I ran into some lady one time who was having a bad day years ago, and I'm stuck here every time I try and come across the border. And he goes, go through. Just make me wait for an hour, though. That's hilarious. So anyway, um, but yes, there was like, and I was, and that, because the gal was, anyway, she was telling me about North Korea, and she'd been there. But I'm waiting for her to help me with my border situation. Still? I still don't know why I've. I've was she one of the girl ladies in my program? She was in your class. She was in your thing. She was taking your thing. She had dark uh -huh. hair. I think she was dating a weightlifter or something like that. <laughs> and I'd have to go back and check. Yeah. <laughs> and she worked for the, like something with your government and traveled to North Korea and all these stories. And, but when she fell on her wrist and I knew she jammed it, so I, I was holding yeah. her hand and I was like pulling on it and stuff. And she's like, Oh my God, you know, it just, uh, so how long did you have bike fit the company for because that's oh, where you really yeah. like got in and you did bike fit certifications because that's how i met mm -hmm. paul um yeah. all over the world mm -hmm. and so how long did that last because apparently you just sold it yeah Oops. it's is um that, is that yeah no i did no no you're good i it went through like little waves and things um and bike fit was quite small when i started uh, but it was fascinating and it opened doors and I got to do a lot of product developments and things because I look at people. I watch people. Mm -hmm. um, and because people say, where's your, you know, I'll sit down with engineers all the time. Where's your like, degree? Where'd you go to school? And I'm just like, and they're like, what's that? And I'm like, it's a napkin. <laughs> I'm a napkin engineer. And you know what? It doesn't work sometimes, man. Like, so when you're sitting there holding a product that, and the guy in front of you has gone to some prestigious school. He's never designed shit compared to you. And you got this product and you've never gone to school and it's way better than anything he's ever designed. And you're like, how do I get out of this meeting now? You know, I remember I had one and it was a track, you know, and the guy, and it was like, without knowing it, I insulted this kid. And I didn't, I didn't realize until after the fact, I'm like, Oh, he's got all these credentials. He's never designed crap. And I don't know anything. And I've designed this really cool. Cause then he's like, well, how do you get it to market? And this and I go, I'm like, dude, that's not your job. That's those guys over there. Like, anyway, so I'm a napkin engineer and I'm a, pay, I'm a passionate cyclist too. Cause when I have my spinning studio, everybody's yeah. like, so what'd you go to school for? I go, uh, I don't have a degree. I just have a lot of passion. And that's how that's I started it. my spinning studio. And they're like, huh? I'm like, yeah. You know, you, like I don't have a kin degree. I don't have a biology degree. I just have a whole lot of passion and knowledge and uh, I just soak it up and I go and I find people who can teach me. Well, and, and it shows yeah. and you live it and you share it mm -hmm. and you do it. And like, and I'm happy. That's <laughs> what matters and that's what makes the difference. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I had it under a different name way back when. And then, um, I got sidetracked a little bit when I designed the Revmaster and a bunch of other fitness products. Um, I helped build that too. We were jamming and then uh, I left and it was, uh, it was kind of fun. I sort of got, was my, I was part owner of this company. I got falsely accused of something, but you know what? They did me the biggest favor in the world. Kind of like that chick at spinning. I mean, they just did me a huge favor because right after I left, it went up a little bit and then all of a sudden it went and they drove it into the ground. Um, and uh, so. Not um, coming back. So then I came, I had the domain bikefit.com. So I had bicyclefit.com. Years ago, I lost that. It was a long story there, and I got that back the other day. But I had bikefit. I bought 
The very first bike shop to fly me in and train their people was in Florida. It was called Bicycle Fitness Store. It was Stan like Zaruski or something like that, a Polish name. Because I think I'm probably Polish, but they stopped Swift. It was probably Swiftinski. And anyway, um, who knows what, you know, the relatives that were alive that knew our full name, we must have been convicts or something. They never told us what it was. And so I just know it wasn't Swift. I know it was something else. And uh, so Stan, uh, a big developer, wanted to buy his whole building. And he, he just, when the internet was new, he goes, oh, I'm just going to buy Bike Fit. And he goes, I know you want it, Paul. And so I bought Bike Fit for, I don't know, three or $4,000, that domain. Well, that's cheaper on the and, cheaper side uh, of some of them. Oh, that's really <laughs> cheap. And because, uh, you know, uh, what can I get? Uh, can we hop your search engine, this and that? I said, um, what's that? Sure, search, search my name. Oh, so number one. <laughs> I didn't do jack for that. It just, you know, when you own the name, it comes up number one search and so mm -hmm. that was one of the things that's helped me quite a bit um but that's part of it's more than just as you know uh so you're a great instructor which is which is awesome but then how do people find out about you how do you build your business there's so much mm -hmm. more to it today and as i've i've morphed a lot through fitting is i realized for a long time i i was flattered i get this great review oh i love the class and then i like hmm but that person didn't become a bike fitter now, in your case, you did the supplement you're coaching. Okay. So I got an excuse yeah. or that's a reason. I have all the stuff. And, I did do some bike fits. You did. I remember, and I remember yeah. corresponding with some of that. Mm -hmm. And um, so those that want to do it as a business, I realized I needed a shift a little bit. And so now mm -hmm. I do a lot of more like, here's what you do week one. Here's what you do week two. Here's how you're going to promote yourself. Here's a, get hooked up what I call a disease ride, you know, like uh, a charity well, ride, like in training yeah. or something like that and build your business. And so, mm -hmm. um, so after the Revmaster stuff, I went back to bike fitting full time, uh, worked on a couple products like this, the one side look, one side SPD, yeah. and um, uh, developed the teaching uh, as I feel as though I needed that and the relationships and things like that. Cause I did think of myself, like today someone might call me an entrepreneur and I'd say, you're right. But back in the day, I didn't like the word entrepreneur and I didn't really have a respect for the word entrepreneur. And I had a total different definition of the word entrepreneur. And people say, Oh, you're an entrepreneur. I said, here's what an entrepreneur is. You take two things and put them together. And they're like, and so, so this is, this is my goofy head. Cause what did I do? I took a look and I took an SPD and I put it together. And to me, that was a no brainer. That's not being an entrepreneur. You know, uh -huh. an entrepreneur is much, ideas are a dime a dozen. I can pull my drawer open here and just show you, you know, because then I have this really cool idea. And I travel with this one because you're a Speedplay user and you want to snap that in here and maybe ride Speedplay, oh. right? You know, and so what is it again? Two ideas, put them together and make one. And so my early definition of an entrepreneur was that, but it worked for me. It worked. Uh -huh. Now today... Cash flow is king, understanding money, because all that stuff you did, the money's still important. Like oh, yeah. you need to make a living. You need to, and I love, I do a lot of things I won't, I won't talk about, it, but I do a lot of things because I want to help and this and that. Mm -hmm. But like you have to cover your bases. You have to have your, right. you know, like one of my recent projects I will share is. Yeah. Um, so now that you sold bike fit, you must have something yeah. on the go. Well, one of my recent projects happens to do with this. Um, <laughs> is it an app? I, no, no, but I have young kids. And so oh. I go, yeah, so I go Paul's watch them. Father is three. Yeah. 
and yes. twins. Twin, twin boys that are s- turn seven, the 15th Friday. Oh, wow. And <laughs> uh, my daughter's 11. And you go watch them. And what do all the parents do? They sit down and they, and I'm getting fed and I don't like it. And I'm tired of sitting there for an hour because, you know, I got to move. And so I'm the crazy nut doing stuff and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit there and watch. Good for you. Like, seriously. And then, of course, COVID hits. But because of my deals in indoor cycling, I have more spin bikes than I know what to do with. I have them everywhere. I have them them in my house. I have them like, so I do nine round boxing. You know, I have one in the back office. I say, I'm going to do the books. I warm up on it. I have one (laughs) at my CrossFit gym. And but you can't can't go there now either. And, you know, I go warm up on that. I have one at my friend's house. I have one at, you know, and, and then a bunch of other charity ones. But, like, I brought a, a few of them into the jujitsu where my kids playing and I rolled them out and I invited parents. I go, you're not sitting on that chair. You're going to sit on this bike with me. We can talk and you can still look at your phone, but you are going to pedal while you watch your kid. And that's, and like, I'm thinking about getting a trailer and everything else. And so I got a van and then this is where design shit pisses me off. So right now I'm, I'm stacked with spinning bikes. Okay. But I have whatever, all kinds of different brands. I've, I've had them all. Because I do, I do a deal with them. I said, you got to give me a couple bikes. Until freaking SoulCycle. Talk about SoulCycle. Talk about dicks. SoulCycle and Flywheel were the biggest dicks in the world of indoor cycling. They made spinning look like, you know. And so oh, I get yeah. my SoulCycle bike. I get this bike. Well, Soul, uh, Flywheel gives me a used bike. And so now i got to change my contract. New bike, shipped where I want it, how I want it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I... Um, all these bikes I could fit in my van and I could fit two or three of them in my van. Well, the spinning bike doesn't fit in my van. And literally, see, when I designed uh, like the Revmaster, I went out to a different couple of SUVs and I'm like, here's the height of it. It's got to fit. Oh, it's got to be easy. Yeah. People don't think about, people don't think about the space. People don't think about moving them. People don't think about all these little things. Cause I remember yeah. these, this is going to be a big home market. I'm thinking one day, right? Yeah. Yeah way before COVID and all that stuff. And so I got to rethink it, but I have a few of them right now. <laughs> My kids jujitsu gym and you can't do it right now. So then, so the kids are still kind of practicing a little bit. And my wife's like, you know, I don't, probably shouldn't go inside the gym. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. So what do I do? I take them outside and we watch through the window. <laughs> so I got bikes outside and we're watching people. Are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching my kid, man. And I'm working out. And so I'm the nut that does this. But, you know, it's, it's like Johnny G was a nut, but, you know, he did some great stuff. And so I okay. got to be, you know, Johnny G's a nut. Super oh, nice I man. I heard he was they a nut. But the, but, Love him, but, oh, he do some nutty stuff. But, you know. Is he it's still what, alive? He is still, oh, man, last time I saw him, his house had just fallen off the cliff during one of the flood things. And he didn't <gasps> let on, and I didn't even know about it. It was like, so it, was, it was probably two years like ago. Like in California? Like, yeah, because... We haven't been to it. Think about it, the last time I flew was like the first of February. I haven't been to a trade show since. Haven't been to like the yeah. world's changed, right? And so I saw him maybe the year before that at Ursa. And, you know, I was talking to him and he didn't let on at all. Somebody else told me that. I'm like, Johnny, dude, I'm like, whoa, I want to give you a hug, man. I want to hug everybody now, by the way. Don't you want to just hug people? We oh, can't. yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, glad I'm, I get to see my parents. Uh, I'm going to be one of the biggest huggers there is after this is all over i already hugged but you look out you see me look out <laughs> i know eh? no seriously 
It's just like I know we got sidetracked there, but anyway. Yeah. So I got back to bike fitting, and then I built it up to sell it, and uh, I sold it to QBP, which is a great company. Um, I have a little thing where I will probably work with them. I, I'm I'm working with them. It, it, we'll see. It, it's um, I'm used to. Being so are small you now going to take go. some time to yourself? <laughs> yeah, it took a. Yeah, because I got in a car accident December 19th. Somebody ran a red light and took me out and almost killed me. And I got to have knee surgery soon and everything else. I just had my second hip replacement on October 30th. And I was finally feeling like a young guy again, losing weight, just kicking. Like my level of standard had gone down with all the pain <laughs> for the last few years of both hips. And I finally That's got to done. talk later. And, I, and I'm back at life, you know, and I'm raising my standard again. And I got hit. I, you know, it doesn't look like it. And I had blood. There was glass everywhere. I mean, it was like, I remember like going like, God, how come everything's white around me? You know, like all the airbags are off, you know, this car ran a red light. <laughs> it's the it light. Just, it's the well, I thought I was dead. I, I and I, I don't want to dwell on it, but I thought I died. Like, I just like, cause I, it was a traffic light where it's a very busy street where I remember you, I had, I was like, I was going to get my kids breakfast before they go skiing. Well, I'm not skiing right now because of my hip, but I'm just hoping to maybe join them cross country skiing. And I'm like ready to do the order. I'm like, no, put it down, go through the traffic light. So I put it down. That's like, really smart. Wait, make sure that the, the pricks aren't running the yellow, you know? Oh, uh -huh. it's clear. First, it's a four lane, fourth lane. I look and boom, I see this big white thing. And I'm like, oh, run. Uh, bye bye. I'm gone. And I, a hundred feet later and I wake up and I'm, I'm just like, am I alive? Or am I dead? Like, oh, I can move. I'm not crushed. You know? And I'm like, Ooh. then I start realizing you know, there's glass everywhere and just like god my hands and yeah but well certainly grateful that uh and then i emailed oh. you no. <laughs> well but i mean talk about the next dinner i had with my family yeah you know and you sit down there and you're just like i get to be with my family i mean mm -hmm. it, it, it that part's pretty cool because i was in you know i'm in the, i was in the uh, hospital in the er emergency room and like, I'm just bawling. And a couple of things have happened to me. One, I'm a survivor, which we didn't get to. But ever since cancer, occasionally my emotions are out of control. I don't know. But some cancer people can relate to this. Some, so, so, or maybe and hormonal like, women. So maybe I'm just trapped in this body. But anyway. You're just hormonal. It's okay, so, Paul. Apparently guys so, uh, get hormones too. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I'm just like, whoa. And the guy's like, what's up? I'm like, I'm just so grateful my kids weren't in the car. My wife wasn't in the car. Yeah. you know because the car seat it was just smashed in and i told it's just i was i was on the other side you know like literally a hundred feet like i'm like yeah oh my god wasn't wasn't i way over wasn't i way i mean i'm trying to put this together like, how did i end up way over here when i was way over there and anyway so i'm probably gonna have knee surgery and uh i think it's just a torn meniscus and oh, my back's killing me my neck's killing me i, I, I don't even want to dwell on it it's all these things and oh. i'm just I'm trying to look at the forever grateful and trying well, to we'll have to have you back there, Paul. Yeah. Now that you've sold bike fit, yeah. I'm sure you have something that you're going to save. Oh. We're going to bring you back and I have, I, you're going to share with us what you're up to now. I think because I have one of my renderings right here. <laughs> we've gone over an hour. Oh, okay. And, well, but, I'm, I'm not going to show much of it. I'm just going to go, and that's oh, it. Hey. Uh, so, because I did this. All right. Did anybody see that? If you see, and, yeah. And then I paid the, the smart guy to draw uh -huh. it for me. Yeah. Uh, no, I, 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 there may be a great opportunity with QBP. Right now, we're talking right now. 
the world of COVID has just slowed certain things down. So I, I you know, I'm still going to teach. You have to really still... pivot fast, not fast, but you have to pivot. Pivot and... is the strength of now and the future. Yeah. Pivot yeah. is the strength and, of now. And so uh, they're every... a big bulldozer. I'm a small bulldozer. So I can pivot and they're a big bulldozer. And, <laughs> you know, and, and, and like you can get sometimes frustrated and it's not frustration. That's the way they are. This is the way I am. How do we make it work? Yeah. And uh, so things are just slow. From my, like, oh, you know, yeah, bike, know. bike fitting died initially, right? Especially I, I got a bike fit the other day. Well, it initially, and then it picked up, you know, and I've done some shows on like how to do bike fit safely with a mask and cleaning and all that jazz. But it, it first it went, you know, and then the bike sales were going like this. Oh, yeah. And then I bike know. fitting finally came like this. But, mm-hmm. you know, my next classes are all I'm remoting in. Yeah. Like well, this. you know, the next three years is going to be extraordinary when it comes to cycling, if, like yeah, everything. If you like, aren't doing this, you're gone already. And indoor cycling is here to stay and only going to grow. And that's where I see. Oh, so he means Zwift, not Swift. Uh, Zwift, Zwift raised $450 million the other day. Even Watt Bike raised $12 million. Wahoo's going nuts. And I've had a couple conversations with a couple indoor cycling companies. Uh, I won't say who they are, what they are, um, but that's happening. Oh, I know. Big time. I and know. so then so, to expand that to everything else, like treadmills and run any, anything indoors, right? Yeah. All the home gym stuff. As yeah. So with know. that, yeah, we're going to have to okay. <laughs> save more for, I know we've gone well over an hour. I'm sorry. And, but the thing is that it's been great because I never knew like well, how far into like bike oh. like any everything anyways yeah. it's been so amazing have you well Paul? i wanted I to catch to up with you, you off, for a long time though. i know people are probably like <laughs> yeah. I, we will just have to do this like uh, offline maybe a little bit of an outline i'll stick to things where people just go like wow 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 yeah and I'll, you know I'll yeah, show more well, things whatever. like this you know yeah. they have to be on youtube to see that so okay. first that, that that thing that 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 there there <laughs> that pedal yeah, make sure you're on our youtube my youtube channel and then and you know you can see everything uh, that we're talking I, look, about. I look around because when i do everything online now, i have to reach and grab and show and reach and oh, show yeah. and reach and show <laughs> like my office is different now you know this is my teaching space now oh right? now it's got to be totally organized i know you can organize oh, that i'm working on it oh. <laughs> fellow canadian oh an antidote to choice chaos oh god yeah, I know. You probably don't you know, want all to you have to do is get your wife in there and she'll help you out. Um, but he talks about cleaning up your room. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> is he famous in Canada? It. Huh? He's famous in Canada, right? Who? This guy. Oh, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that, thank Leave you so much that. for tuning in to all this right. episode of Secrets from the Saddle. With the Mr. and one and only Paul Swift of Bike Fit, yep. formerly, so, onto new stuff. Yes. My favorite saying now is ride, learn, grow. Ride, learn, grow. And I'm like, you're only one pedal stroke away from cycling like a pro. Oh! I love it. I love it. You, oh, <laughs> I like, nice. Like, Ooh, thank you. That's your pedal, pedal form. And now. Can I use it? No. <laughs> oh, okay.
picture. Okay. <laughs> but make sure that you guys are um, subscribed and on both YouTube and the podcast, no matter what platform you're on. So you don't miss any of the amazing episodes and guests that I bring to the podcast. And with that, have an amazing day. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review, if you feel so moved, by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment, telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.